0: Thank you.
1: This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 9. Charter House Deep in the rolling, craggy hills of an area in southwest England known as the Mendips, sits the isolated hamlet of Charter House. Nestled among the towering limestone bluffs, this once-bustling mining community in Somerset County, England is now a shadow of its former self. The last remaining significant structure once served as a church and school, but was designated an outdoor activity center for local schools by the County Council Board in 1968. But this serene and untouched natural beauty disguises the deep and dangerous subterranean domain below. For nearly 1,900 years, much of the Mendip served one purpose, mining. The need for silver and lead outweighed any thought of preserving this gorgeous landscape and left the entire area a veritable honeycomb of tunnels and access shafts. Hundreds of years of operation claimed the lives of thousands of men and many children, The children's small stature made them well-suited for crawling in and clearing out the narrow access shafts that supported the central tunnels, and thus very valuable to the mining operations. Standing in stark contrast to this area's astonishing natural beauty is its penchant for some very, very strange secrets. And it is here that we find a teacher and four of his students in a frantic search for a missing girl where they would experience an eerie confrontation with a group of sophomore expectors, a terrifying encounter that would pale in comparison to the inconceivable incident experienced by the warden of Charterhouse himself, who claimed to have been stalked by a balefully belligerent being that came to be known as the Charterhouse guest. In February of 1982... Richard Gardner, a young teacher at nearby Haygrove School, was leading a group of students in a weekend-long trip to Charter House. Specifically, he oversaw a group of five freshman girls. Nearing the end of the afternoon's planned hike around the area, it came to Gardner's attention that one of the girls, Maria, was missing. They immediately launched a search of the immediate area. When no sign of the girl could be found, he decided at best to involve a couple other small hiking groups from the school. Gardner, along with the remaining four girls and two other groups, including two other chaperones, expanded their search and retraced his group's steps through the nearby picnic areas and rest stops using his van. During their search, what was expected to be a passing drizzle coalesced into a distressing downpour. Reduced visibility began to dishearten the teacher, who was already beginning to imagine the worst-case scenario. He stopped at a site called Velvet Bottom, named for the tufty and uneven nature of the ground as a result of the mine workings and open pit shafts found throughout the area. The area was sparsely adorned with a simple aged scout hut and a handful of aging picnic tables. He parked the van and honked his horn three times. Struggling to hear any possible response over the driving rain, he rolled down his window. It was then that he heard the last thing that he expected. Children's laughter. It seemed to him that the sound was coming from the scout hut directly in front of the van. This building was obviously locked up and long retired. As he was about to write this off as a trick of the rain, he heard the unmistakable sound of happy children laughing and playing. Despite the fact that the nearest village was nearly 15 kilometers away, it occurred to him that Maria may have run into a group of local children. This may be them playing around behind the hut. At the very least, this was a group of youngsters that may have seen her recently. He stepped outside the van and began slogging through the murky ground toward the secluded structure. As he approached, the sounds of laughter got louder. He determined that the group that he was hearing was definitely behind the hut. He made his way slowly around the corner, and as the rolling hill behind the building came into view, the commotion came to an abrupt stop, and he was bewildered to find not only that the missing girl wasn't there, no one was. Not a single soul. No children playing. Nothing but an extraordinarily empty estate. Baffled by this stupefying situation, And not having any real idea of how to proceed, Richard turned to make his way back to the bus. Before he could take a single step, a shocking screech of childish amusement rose once again from behind him. He immediately spun around to find once again that there was no possible source that he could identify. Nearly 50 meters away from where he stood, he saw a small grouping of tall trees and bushes. He began to assume that this must be the source of the ludicrous laughter, Richard was admittedly terrified, but he had to find his missing student. He began to walk directly and deliberately in the direction of the thicket. As he approached it, he stared through the dire deluge into the shadows of the tree line, but didn't see the mischievous children that he expected. Once again, he saw nothing. Before he made it halfway to the trees, he was once again shocked by the sudden uproar of laughter. Once again, it seemed to be coming from the scout hut behind him. Now he was getting frustrated. He turned around and ran toward the building. He jumped around the corner attempting to get the jump on whoever may be playing this trick on him. Nothing. He was done. Whoever was playing this trick had had as much fun at his expense as he could offer. He had to find Maria. He began stomping through the mud toward the van and was shocked to hear the same outburst of jubilance, this time coming from both the scout hut and the tree line. This time it began to feel like he was completely surrounded by the noise. He spun around. The laughter stopped on a dime. Richard rushed to the van, jumped into the driver's seat, and locked the doors. He turned back to assess the students and chaperones in the van. One look at their panicked faces eschewed any doubts that he had had about his state of mind. They had heard it as well. Racing back to their home base, they met up with the rest of the school groups and found that Maria had been accidentally separated from the group and headed back to home base soon after. The rest of the day was relatively uneventful. After a few planned activities, they headed back to the charterhouse center, where the warden of the property greeted them from his overlarge armchair next to a roaring fireplace. He was a kind-hearted local named Terry Birch. While the students and most of the staff wandered up to their respective rooms, a small group of teachers, that included Mr. Gardner, sat around the fire as Mr. Birch held court. Still flustered by the day's events, Richard eventually got up the courage to ask him about the eerie episode from that afternoon. He began by asking if the nearby homes had any children living in them. The haunted look that overtook the warden's face froze Richard in an instant. Terry pushed up his sleeves, took a long sip of his spirits, and began to explain. He had been warden of the house for nearly twenty years, and today was not the first time he'd been privy to visitors hearing the disembodied voices of children on the grounds. However, it was not the encounter near the scout hut that would keep young Richard Gardner awake that night. It was the experience of the warden himself, Terry Birch. In anticipation for the winter season, in addition to the standard duties as the warden, Terry was tasked with ensuring the working order of the mountain rescue gear packed away in a nearby remote building. Terry was a former Royal Marine Commando. He had no problem with being alone for extended periods of time. Often during these times of year, he would opt to spend the night there at the center rather than risking the treacherous mountain roads in winter at night. Just over a year before the events of the day, Terry spent a long day preparing winter gear to be packed away. He ate a simple dinner while watching the evening news. He double-checked that all the first floor doors and windows were locked, then headed to the cot that he had set up in the center's sickbay to finally get some sleep. In the middle of the night, he was awoken by the sounds of movement in the gloom outside. He laid quietly in the cot listening to the distinct sound of something moving through the shrubs that lined the backside of the building. He assumed, as one would... The sound was obviously some small animal, a fox or a badger. He drifted back to sleep only to be woken by the same sounds once again. This time, unmistakably closer. Much closer. Rather than the natural sound of an animal moving through shrubbery, this time what he heard was the distinct sound of nails clicking against the hardwood floors of the basement level hallway. It seemed as though the animal that had woken him originally had now found its way into the building. He was puzzled. How could it get in? He had double-checked all of the doors and windows. Puzzlement soon gave way to annoyance. He had had a long day. He just wasn't up for spending an hour shooing an animal from the building. If it could get in, it could get out. He wasn't getting off that cot until the sun came up. He looked up enough to ensure that the door to the sick bay was locked and did his best to return to his much-needed slumber. The clatter did not stop. In fact, it continued to get louder. Eventually, the clicking was replaced with a heavy thudding sound that got louder and louder as it made its way nearer. The vespertine meddler seemed to be moving slowly and deliberately up the stairs until it began scratching at the door of Terry's room. Why he chose to remain in bed is a mystery even to him. He still held out hope that whatever was sniffing outside his door would get bored and find its way out. If only he were that lucky. He wasn't sure why, but he was slowly becoming convinced that this was no run-of-the-mill varmint outside his door. He began gripping the blankets. He considered pulling them over his head like a frightened child. He heard the wooden door groan in opposition as whatever stood in that hallway pressed its weight against it. Luckily, the lock did its job, and the door remained closed. And then, blessed silence. Silence that lasted just long enough for Terry to relax his grip on the blanket and begin to believe this nightmarish nuisance was gone for good. Just then, Terry heard a sound that would haunt him for the rest of his life. Frozen by terror... Wishing either fight or flight were an option that his seized-up body would give him, he heard a sound like a wire brush on polished wood. Though he couldn't bring himself to look, Terry knew immediately what was happening. Something was sliding under the door. He told himself it didn't make sense. The space couldn't have been more than half an inch. But whatever this fearsome fiend was, it was shoving itself through that impossible space. Eventually, the noise stopped and the room filled with pregnant silence. Terry could feel the sweat rolling down the back of his neck. He was afraid even to breathe. After what was becoming some kind of bizarre and insufferable stalemate, Terry stiffened his resolve. He decided that the only course of action was to turn over. He had to see this malignant monster that had invaded his space. As he slowly rolled toward the door, he saw a silhouette only visible due to the fact that it was just darker than the darkness around it. Suddenly, the small cot was shoved against the wall as the creature rushed against it. Terry felt claws and teeth on his legs and feet. He screamed out at the top of his lungs. He began swinging and kicking his legs repeatedly. He felt several of his kicks connect with whatever was literally attempting to eat him alive in his bed. The kicks had effect. The bizarre beast jerked back and let out a soul-rending roar that immediately caused Terry to scramble back against the wall. The cot tipped over in his direction and flipped on its side between him and the beast. He heard the creature run across the room and slam its full weight into the door. The impact was so severe, Terry heard the glass in the window rattle. The door held. He peeked up over the tipped cot and tried to see what was happening. Between the darkness of the room and the possible concussion, focusing his eyes on anything was a lost cause. He closed them and tried to listen. He began hearing the same dragging noise. The creature was sliding back under the door. He soon heard it make its way down the hallway and down the stairs. He jumped up and turned on the light. The room was destroyed. His clothing torn from his bag and thrown all over the room. Deep scratch marks on the floor and walls and the very old, very heavy wooden door was cracked nearly all the way through. Terry even realized that while fighting for his life, he had torn an electrical wire and the plaster around it out of the wall beside the cot. He got dressed and carefully inspected every floor of the building. He found that nothing outside of the room he'd been sleeping in was out of place. Every window, every door, was closed and locked. There was no rational way that the mystifying monstrosity could have escaped the premises. Terry knew that didn't matter. He understood that rationality had nothing to do with this. The creature's path in was no less confounding, and Terry knew damn well that it had found a way in. As Terry finished his story, the group of teachers that had gathered exchanged glances that ranged from mildly skeptical to completely horrified though there wasn't an adult among them that didn't opt to sleep upright in the various chairs of the den rather than taking their chances on the floor where the incident supposedly took place. Some say they even took turns watching out for the animalistic abomination until the sun finally rose over the sprawling grounds of Charterhouse. Welcome, campers, to
0: Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts, I'm Ryan, And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. First of all, I want to know what that creature was. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's fucking weird. Yeah, Um, it's so weird. And so, yeah, I guess, you know, talking about it, finding its way under the door and stuff. That was, I think that was the most off-putting thing to me. That it was able to, like, jimmy or, like, slim itself
1: down enough to be able to actually crawl under the door. Yeah, I mean, more than off-putting, it's disgusting. Like, you imagine something big enough to make those, like, big, thudding, you know, approaching footsteps that he described. And then it's able to, like, smash itself down enough to slide under, like, the scratching noise that he describes. The, like, wire brush against polished wood of it, like... Sliding under the door. That's so crazy. Yeah. So vile.
0: And and I guess when you were talking about like he was able to see the silhouette. Did he? Did he explain like what it looked like? I mean, was there? I mean, was it the shape of a person? Did it look like a?
1: You know, like a I giant mean, animal or? The way he described it was always animalistic. Okay. Right. So I don't I don't think we're talking humanoid here. I think he basically just saw the silhouette of like like a lumbering beast is sort of how I picture it. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's something on all fours and right. Lots of teeth.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I think when I obviously listening to it. I mean, that's what it sounds like, but I didn't know if he had ever explained you know, or at least tried to explain like this is kind of what I saw or anything.
1: I think he really just, m- mostly he could tell something was there.
0: Yeah, and I right? mean, like, he obviously didn't get the room a lot of detail at all. And, right, of course. Yeah. So, I guess it'd be a little bit harder to kind of and especially also in a panic state like, not, not, you know, trying to make sense of whatever's going on and everything. Like, it's going to be really hard to even think of, like, what he can be even witnessing at that point, right? Right, exactly. And Especially so,
1: right after trying to wrap his mind around it sliding under the damn door. Or, like...
0: Or being able to get into the building when he had originally, what, heard the sound outside? Yeah. And so, you know, and obviously I'm sure he did his... You know, did his best to make sure everything was locked up and, you know, knew that it was locked up at that point. Obviously, sure. after the incident, you know, he went and checked and everything was locked up. Yeah. So, like, it kind of makes you think
1: that maybe I'm, that was in there th- with him the whole time. It could have been with him the whole time, right? Or if it can slide under his, the door to his room, maybe it's sliding under other doors, right?
0: So is that like the same, you know, like the same, uh, the same magic shit that uh, that Santa uses sliding down chimneys? <laughs> <laughs> Just being, it might be being able to contort, you know, to fit into tiny, tiny
1: areas. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the the first thing, right? The first thing I'm thinking is like, because immediately i want to make it you know zoological this is an animal right that right. came in Which and attacked him in his bed kind of talking about now right right so i don't believe i'm no zoologist but i don't believe there are any animals that we know of well think that- of a
0: mouse like think of a mouse that's you know the fluffy and whatever else but literally can fit into like tiny cracks
1: right but again it has to be something big enough to big enough to make to that noise that on shit, approach right, to, mm-hmm. yeah and small enough I mean you're talking a half inch gap under that door Yeah, it would have basically had to become like a meat puddle to slide under that door
0: maybe it was slender man maybe that's what we're dealing with Maybe um, it was
1: Slender Man's dog. <laughs> Maybe. I don't,
0: so, I don't so know. So, I guess a couple a couple of other things. So, trying to kind of piece this together, where he's experiencing this, and then, um, you know, the teacher, the teacher that, you know, is trying to look li- out looking for the missing student, and he's experiencing, you know, these children laughing and and yep. all of that. So, how does that tie together? Or is it just to make it creepy as fuck?
1: Well, I'll tell you, this is once again, classic Jordan, a hot spot. Okay. <laughs> this of region of England. Is. Yeah. This Isn't that region what we of always England. Deal with? <laughs> it seems like it. But this part of this part of England in particular is crazy. Full I mean, there's so much activity. First off, everything is old, right? Yeah. Like, we in the United States, we're like, "Oh, this like bar in Boston is a hundred and five years old," and we're like, "Man, that's old." And but compared to other parts of the world, particularly Europe, mm-hmm. there are like s- structures that have been around for a thousand years. Oh yeah,
0: old like castles and shit like that,
1: like some crazy stuff. I mean this area the Mendips was when the Roman Empire took over this part of England. Mhm. They began mining there. Some of the mine some of the mine shafts, the big central mine shafts in this area have they were carved out 1900 years ago.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. It's it's also baffling to me how that like how they were able to do that that long ago,
1: right? But, but yeah, as a hot spot. Okay, so this this place Charterhouse is less than an hour's drive from Stonehenge. Okay. Okay. So of course, it's, yeah. There's also rumors that the that there's a cave in this area where King Arthur was buried. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. There are reports of, like, ghostly mili- like military men being seen.
0: <laughs> of course there are. Okay.
1: There are, like, reports of phantom hitchhikers in this area. All right. There's a whole thing. There's a whole legend of the Witch of Wookiee Hole Caves. That's what it's called. All right. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's... There's a ton of activity in this area. I mean, this Okay, so the British the British Isles in themselves, along with most of Europe, it has like a very long history of acknowledging the existence of like fairy folk. Yeah. Uh, right? It's it's huge, right? Yeah. Like it's a part of it's a part of their culture. Really.
0: And especially in areas like Ireland is was yeah. a big big
1: right and like i mean this is to me at least it makes sense to me that like this is why that's the case okay because these areas are these like these places have been inhabited by people for so long like of course there's going to be more activity yeah right yeah that makes sense and like these legends build and compound, and they have a chance to like build up over literally thousands of years. They're like there are people living in these in this countryside who's who have ancestors from fifteen hundred years ago that lived on the same property. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like these stories have had so much longer to be passed down mm-hmm. and built upon, like. And, like, each generation's experience adds something to it,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, in an area that rich and, like, especially, like, being passed down and, you know, being seen, like, through the ages and, um, you know, being, I guess, just continuously just, uh, yeah, I guess getting back to being passed down and stuff like that. Like, I think, you know, obviously you're bound to run into something, you know, something ghostly something that, uh, you know, even just, you know, through the years and everything, I mean, you know, obviously there's going to be some shit that's going to go down. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, that was, uh, so getting back to this, uh, because that was... Just the hear- hearing about the laughter and stuff like that, and him being so, you know, trying to figure out it's coming from this hut or if it's coming from this tree line and stuff like that, you know, I mean, the dude, they're obviously messing with him. Yeah. And so you brought up fairies. Do you sure. think that could possibly be, um, you, know- you know, a possibility of what he was experiencing, at least in that particular case?
1: Yeah, like little tricksters. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it It kind of smacks of that, right? Like, they're they're fucking with him. Mm-hmm. Like, we're over here. Now we're over here. Like, yeah.
0: Right, I mean, it didn't seem like it was anything that was malevolent or anything like that, but at least enough to just piss the guy off.
1: Right, it was just having fun with him. Exactly. Right, yeah. See, I, I hadn't really thought of that because I immediately thought there have been like thousands of children over the years that have died in the mines there. Right. So I immediately thought these are, these are kid ghosts. Okay. Right.
0: Also, how fucking terrifying is the idea of hearing children's laughter in the middle of a, like a rainstorm or, you know, whatever that, that
1: they're doing there. Like
0: uh, that's fucking terrifying. Especially,
1: (laughs) Especially at the end when like, you know, I picture, like, the old, like, 40s movies, right? Where it's, like, where someone's, like, going crazy, and, like, the laughter's coming from all directions, yeah. and, like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's scary. Like, imagine, like, being out there in the pouring rain, and it, you know, it, he, the way he described it was it sounded like the laughter was, like, right beside him at the end. Like, he's yeah. surrounded by it. And that's the one that, like, got him off his ass and running back to the van and so oh, i would have been changing the same thing. yeah yeah
0: so i don't know there's something about and just the idea of dead kids yeah uh and it's it's always frightened me i don't know why like you know everything else like doesn't bother me i mean yeah it, it you know it's gonna be scary in the in this situation and everything but like i feel like there's nothing more terrifying than experiencing yeah. like the ghost of a child or like these see, little twisted kids just laugh oh
1: yeah. See, I feel like that's that's like a fairly common a common opinion, right? Like people are freaked out by kids. That's why horror movies are filled with children. Oh, like yeah. creepy kid Especially ghosts like the children like, of
0: the corn and shit like that. Exactly. Like,
1: right? I think there might be something to that. I think like we may be like um like, it may be an actual, like, evolutionary advantage that people have gained, you know, through through generation, right? To be, like, particularly sensitive to dead kids. Yeah. Right? To yeah, the idea of, like, child death. Right? Because, like, we're obviously, we're motivated in life to protect children. Yeah. Right? So I think, like, the idea of, like, a dead kid is... Kind
0: of stems from that a bit. It
1: freaks people out, yeah, right, because it goes against all that. Okay, I think that's. I think personally, I think that's why it's. I think that's why it scares so many people more than anything else. Just, uh, I
0: don't. I don't know. I think of like, just just even the thought of it, and I don't like. I feel like, and maybe that's maybe that's where where it was born, basically, like that whole idea or anything. But like, I I literally any movie with like dead kids or you know like just hearing like kids laughing in the background and I mean and I've been in you know I've, I've been in houses like a uh, house that I grew up in where I heard you know basically children and I heard babies crying right. and stuff like that you know things that I couldn't I couldn't quite figure out but like I don't know to me it just that that does it it's like a whole nother level
1: I don't know it feels wrong Right, like it's not even that above it feels a normal wrong. It just ghost creeps
0: me the fuck out.
1: Right, but it creeps you out because it's wrong. Because it like it feels off. Like there's something extra to a ghost kid. Right, right. There's like an extra element to it in there somewhere.
0: Somehow they can be more terrifying and more creepy. They like the ghost of an old man or an old woman or even like
1: or even like a big scary. Right, guy, right. Like yeah. yeah. I mean I'd I'd take like Jason Voorhees over like the girl from the ring any day. Oh dude, so much. It's way less scary. Yeah. An enormous maniac with a machete is less scary than a little girl like wobbling toward you soaking wet.
0: That's that's <laughs> not even something I want to think about.
1: <laughs> I can tell you're freaked out. <laughs> just talking about it. I
0: think that's uh that's where I, I hit my point of you know, there's not a whole lot that scares me, but that's one thing that does. Yeah, it's
1: the little kids. Yes, it is, dude.
0: <laughs> so much. Yeah,
1: I get it. I definitely get it.
0: But, yeah, I mean, so that makes a lot of sense, especially with it being, like, a mining area. Um, a lot of kids that used to go into them and things like that, yeah. that I, I could see that that's probably more more likely than getting into the idea of fairies and stuff like that. But I think that's a cool cool little twist that maybe, you know, maybe... Could have also been part of it.
1: Yeah, but, no, I I love the idea, especially in this area of talking like fairy folk or like ultra terrestrials, right? Whatever yeah. you want to call them, like, um, because it's so part of the tradition, right? If it would feel wrong to not even to not consider it, right? right. Yeah,
0: like changelings and stuff like that too, and sure, mm-hmm. the whole thing. But, so. What was the sign? I mean, and maybe may there was nothing, and maybe I was completely looking into it way too much, but the significance of him pulling up and honking his horn three times.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think, um, and any of our listeners from the UK, if you could correct this, I think that's just like common, like I'm here, you know what I okay. mean? Like if you pull up at someone's house to like pick them up or something. And I think he was like, he pulled up to the area and like knew that if he gave three honks, like if the girl was around, she'd go like, oh, they're okay. here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think and it was something like that. I mean,
0: if that's the case and that's, and maybe that's something I'm just not familiar with. Right. Um, but yeah, I was, I was just a little curious because it seemed like there was a bit of focus on, he pulled up and gave three honks. And then yeah. that's, you know. In the that's account that I was, read,
1: he was in the account that i read he was very specific so (laughs) i continued his specificity in my writing
0: so because it wasn't you said right after that he started to hear children laughing
1: yeah
0: and that's where he goes to basically scope it out
1: yeah that's true i don't know maybe there's some tie there yeah maybe the fairy folk also knew you know he's here (laughs) (laughs) right maybe they did oh shit he's here yeah. So, I mean, I like I I kind of like especially with like Stonehenge so close and this is like an area so rich with like paranormal activity. Right. I like I I really kind of do like the idea of ultra terrestrials, like to get into that like John Keel like thinning of the veil and like window areas and yeah. all that. Right? Like I feel like if anywhere is a window area, it's here. It'd be a place like that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I mean even
0: so, Stonehenge specifically is a right. massive spot. So with it being in yeah. so like close proximity uh, yep. you know there's going to be a lot that it's going to feed off of which you know I know and in I mean cuz this could literally be anything. Like this could be this could be ghosts. This could be like yeah, I mean, fairies possibly. Sure. Um, you know, some type of cryptid, like some type of you know, and like animal, some beast. I mean, literally right. could be anything. And yeah. so like I think that's what we need to figure out. What is this thing?
1: Yeah. You I know. Mean, and like for future reference to the listeners, we will interchangeably use the words fairy and ultra terrestrial. We mean the same thing. Right. (laughs) So I feel like there's nothing wrong with using the term fairy when you're talking like Southwest England. Right. Like this is like the spot for fairy. Yep. Right. So yeah. But yeah, with Stonehenge, I mean, at the very least, Stonehenge is like a place of power. Right. That's like so much, so much like energy has been poured into that space. Over generations, it's like, it's yeah. So that's significant to me. That that seems very significant. That it's it's right there.
0: It definitely definitely plays a big part in it for sure. And so, and you said it was it was yeah. Terry Birch was the uh, the warden of the area basically, and he you said that he had been there for like twenty years. Twenty years. And so this incident
1: that he had, how long ago is that? It was one year before when he's telling the story. Okay, so it was just a year ago. Yep.
0: So all these years that he's been there, the last twenty years, never experienced anything similar?
1: I mean he didn't tell any other that was just the story that okay. I that I that I heard him recount.
0: Um I feel like I, he would at least have experienced I mean, even maybe just Like the children laugh like laughing, like stuff like that. Something to kinda back
1: it up, right? Somebody should have sat down with this guy and did a full debrief. Right? Like (laughs) give me all your stories. I think he scared the shit out of this teacher, and the teacher was like, One story's enough. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I, I mean I would too though. Yeah, I mean, hearing something like that and also experiencing what he had just experienced. Yeah. And being so like I I mean, so confused but also pissed like, you know, that they're toying with him, but he can't figure it out. It's coming from here, it's coming from there. He's like constantly back and forth and then all of a sudden surrounded by it. You know, right. enough to like literally have him hightail it out like, you know, just busting ass to get away. I think you know, him hearing uh terry's story as well like yeah i it would be so that'd be like yeah i'm gonna find a different job
1: yeah (laughs) you know there's clearly something here that i don't like nope maybe teaching isn't for me right yeah no it's especially like having that encounter with the with the children's laughter having that like when you're in the middle he's already like frantically searching for his student. You know what I mean, like, yeah, like so.
0: It's a more of an his, emotional point too, like yeah. you know. And he's he's scared, he's worried, and you know, like also like that high, like that heightened state, and experiencing all of this probably made it tremendously
1: worse. Yeah, you know. Cause, See, and I'd say, I would say, like a if that were it, like. <clears throat> The skeptical take might be that he was in this like panicked state. It's pouring rain. There are this area of land is like riddled with mine shaft openings, and like you know, all it would take is like some birds making weird noises and like a maybe just right the, the wind through the trees, the wind or, exactly right. like it that and he panicked, yeah. right? That that would be that would be a skeptical way to approach it if. Not for the fact that there were at least ten other people in the van that, that heard, heard the, the laughter as well. Right. Yes, but- and registered it at the same way he did. Right? None of them were like, "I think that might have been birds." They were all, they were all certain that what they heard was laughter. Yeah, I mean, that
0: makes it pretty, pretty hard to. You know, hard to think otherwise. Like, I mean, I'd say that's, yeah. And we go back into that, that, uh, that evidence thing, right. That we've talked about before. Like if one right. person hears this, then it's, you know, on them, it's basically just their word, but then you yeah. have everybody else that's also experiencing the same thing, you know, and it's hard to argue with. Exactly. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to be pretty, um, you know, pretty convincing at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I've I've said it a bunch of times, but right if like 10 people describe the same guy running out of a bank after it was robbed, that's the guy that goes to jail. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's pretty accepted procedure. But if one person so,
0: claims and, you know, no one else
1: saw it, then yeah, it's their it's word to against to, the others, right? Exactly. So So if 10 people tell me they heard laughter, I'm I'm going to believe I that would it's believe laughter. It, yeah. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to go there. No, that's so. Although funny you, funny ahead. you bring that up. Going there because I found out while researching this that you can rent all of Charter House. That's that's room for sixty two. You and sixty two of your friends can spend a weekday night at Charter House for all of eight hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. For yeah. up to
0: 62 people is that
1: like per person or no really that's you rent the entire space for $850 for the night
0: that's a pretty decent deal actually
1: right yeah huh. 60 rooms for $850 that's crazy yeah no
0: but a lot of this though didn't specifically happen at Charterhouse itself right because
1: now, terry's experience did happen at charter house
0: but i thought you said it was a different building that was like
1: more no no he went to like the he went to the outbuilding to okay. that's where they kept all the gear but he slept at charter house
0: oh uh, okay that that makes more yeah. sense all right i wasn't sure because the way i mean the way that i i guess hearing it and interpreting it was he would basically go to this you know other building and you know, given the weather and stuff like that, it would stay there, you know, just assuming there's like a bedroom or something in it. But yeah, it makes more no, sense like he lives he's actually staying there.
1: Yeah. He lived in like a, a nearby town. So when he had to come up during the winter to check on the gear, he would just sleep overnight at Charter House instead of driving back to town where he lived.
0: OK. Yeah. And so and how I'm assuming I'm assuming him being like the warden of this area or the building warden or whatever like I'm assuming he's there very frequently.
1: Yeah. I mean, he kind of he's there when guests are going to be there overnight. He stays overnight and he like oversees the like make sure the groups have everything they need while they're right. there and all that. Now this took place back in the 80s, and okay. so I don't know. I don't know if I doubt he's still there. He was kind of described as an old man then. I mean, you
0: said he was also right? like an ex-marine or something like that right. too, right? So Correct. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's probably, he's probably, I'd say, mid-40s, mid-50s, just from, right. you know,
1: guessing. I think he was probably, probably 50s, maybe 60s at the oldest, but okay. at this point, he's probably, I would assume at least he's no longer, he'd probably be, like, close to 100 years old. Yeah. Now, so, he's either he's probably not
0: not alive or just,
1: you know, right. has retired since, right? Right. And if not alive, may this badass rest in peace. Yeah, right, because he definitely kicked this monster in the face and ran it off.
0: I <laughs> just <laughs> so like, has anybody else like made any claims of anything similar, or was Terry's I mean, literally the only claim that they've had specifically at Charterhouse?
1: There's actually, uh, like a small continuance, right? The next year. One of the teachers who came along, not the one who experienced the laughing, but one of the teachers who was there for the uh, the initial story, okay. she was also listening for the story. She came with a group of children the next year and um, Terry slipped her a note at some time that said, like, my my old guest has returned or returned a few nights ago or like basically that it had come back recently. He had oh. seen it again. But, like, there are, as far as other people having stories there, I mean, the area is filled with stories. Like, people basically just, they, like, it's an accepted part of the area. Like, weird shit goes down here. You know what I mean? Same as when we talked about, like, the Alaskan Triangle. Same as when we talked about, like, Devil's River. Same as when we talked like literally like, every every area that we talk about <laughs> right i mean you you get used to it after a while right yeah i mean if these if these are these window areas right and things are showing up on a regular basis eventually it just becomes part of your your life part of your culture right
0: i'm just surprised that they're still like taking children to this area
1: <laughs> right <laughs> you would
0: think With that this, i mean this big ass beast that's possibly parading around like yeah right. let's take a group of kids
1: i mean i'm i'm thinking beast right but like maybe we're like missing the vision a little bit cuz like what if it's this like lovecraftian horror this like boneless yeah you know what i mean just like disgusting see
0: that was also one of my thoughts too like a legit fucking like monster not yeah. just a beast, but, like, something that's basically undescribable.
1: Like, Yeah, exactly. Like, fucking tentacles and teeth and no bones and just, like, crushing down to slide under doorways. And, like, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I didn't just say it makes sense. I mean, it definitely doesn't make any sense at all. But it it fits the bill. Right. Because Because the only Yeah, it doesn't make sense for sure. But the only description we have is a silhouette and teeth. Right? That's those are the only physical and hearing, descriptions I we mean, have. Obviously, you know, we get
0: an idea when he's when talking about like nails and claws basically in right. him and That's stuff true. like that.
1: Yep, hearing, he hears the claws on the floor. He hears the thudding, so we know it has some weight to it. Yeah, Right? He hears, like, it runs and slams into the doorway and almost cracks it in half, right? So we know it has some heft to it. It pushes and, like,
0: his bed completely across yeah. the room. Like, Yeah.
1: Like, Dude, that's so scary.
0: Yeah. That would be... Ab- and especially... This is in the dark, too. Yeah. So, like... You know your eyes may have adjusted to the darkness, like you can still see he obviously saw a silhouette like you're not gonna be able to make out like extreme distinct features or anything, but imagine you're just all of a sudden in the dark and you know you're hearing something, and all of a sudden you just feel yourself flying across the room like yeah, just out of nowhere like yeah, that would i I would not be no. I would not be into
1: that. <laughs> yeah. You're just lying there. I mean, the the like series of events, it's so dramatic. It's so theatrical, right? Like, oh, extremely. He's laying there. He hears it come in. As soon as he gets up the nerve to roll over and take a look at it, like, bam, it's right there. Like, slams into his bed, rushes him across the room, and then he starts feeling the teeth and, oh, Jesus.
0: Yeah. I mean, the way that it's described is just a chain of events. But, like, I think I think one of the worst parts about it is everything leading up to it. Like, just that anticipation. Like, especially oh, yeah. once it gets to the door. You know, and he can hear, basically, it being pressed against it. He can hear the door buckling, basically, under the weight of whatever this is on the other side. Um, yeah. You know, so, I mean, imagine that. And imagine feeling like so helpless and so like defenseless that you can't do shit other than cling on to your blankie just (laughs) like a small kid you know and you just don't know what's gonna happen oh man I just got goosebumps I'm just saying like just imagine like so I think like having that experience and then what happens next like, I feel like the yeah. next part would, wouldn't even be as bad as just what led up to it.
1: Right. Because at least the, like, attack, you know, it's, it's, I tried to tell it very theatrically, but in actuality, that probably lasted all of 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Right. Probably not even 30 seconds, probably 15 seconds, right? It slams into the bed, pushes across the room. It's trying to bite him. He kicks it a few times. Mm-hmm. It backs off, slams into the door. Smashes itself under it, right? That all of that's probably twenty seconds. Yeah, but like that anxiety, that like a lead up, hearing it like thump down the hallway, and then all that like you were describing, right? I probably felt like an anxiety at that point. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think that that's definitely what makes the attack part so scary is the like build up to it, right?
0: because I mean and you can just uh, I just keep thinking like you don't know like you can hear that it's probably big it's probably something <laughs> very large but you have no idea like yeah. uh that would be yes just to me like I said I think that's that's the scariest part about it but I mean this is obviously no uh, no normal thing that we're dealing with and the fact that it can slide up under the door like That's,
1: yeah. It just crazy that instantly makes me super. That instantly makes me think otherworldly, exactly. Yeah, whether ultra terrestrial or extraterrestrial, even I guess I yeah, it's possible. But I can't imagine anything with that that could have that kind of power and that ability to get that small. You know what I mean? Like, so it has to be something otherworldly.
0: Possibility of shape shifting or being able to compact itself. I don't know. That's weird. It's so weird. Cause there's no, no explanation for something that can do that. Nothing can do that. You know, I use the mouse as an example. They can't contort. I mean, they can, they can their bodies down just to kind of fit into small spaces, but also you take the fur off of them. They're next to nothing anyways.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, they can't go smaller than their skull. Exactly. You know what I mean? That's, that's like, that's as tight as it can get. Yeah. Cause you go smaller than your skull and your brain doesn't work anymore. (laughs) That's how brains work. Is that how they work? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, you know, I've always wondered. So like, this seems otherworldly to me straight up. It doesn't, it doesn't, I think like cryptid is basically out. Once it like smashed under the door, it, it's that's not encrypted to me anymore. Yeah, it's true. It's got to be otherworldly, like, and maybe it's just the you know the English countryside infecting me, but it it's screaming ultra terrestrial to me.
0: I I think I think you're onto something for sure. Because I mean that's the only. It, again, it just doesn't make sense. Nothing about it makes sense. But as an explanation or trying to, like, trying to figure out what it could potentially be, I think that would be the only logical thing. If that's logical at all.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, if logic even has anything to do with it. Exactly.
0: At this point, I think that's out the window.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're obviously at pure speculation. So at this point,
0: after the year later incident, or well, I guess after a year later and he slipped her the note. Do you know if anything happened? If they saw it after that, or anything like that, or it was just
1: no? I I read that 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 just that what I described to you happened, and I haven't heard anything else. Okay. About I mean, I dug around for for more stories <clears throat> from the area, and you know I'm I'm certain there are, but my uh, investigative journalism skills were we're lacking i mean especially
0: if it's like a hot hot spot especially i mean in this charter house specifically and a lot of things that have gone down i'm sure there there are a lot of other incidents
1: and things like that but i'm just curious about this beast this yeah that's what i mean yeah i mean i found a ton of stories from the area right like i mentioned earlier with like king arthur like military men hitchhikers yeah like there's the witch, which I think she deserves her own episode.
0: You see, what was it like—the Wibbly Wobbly Witch or something? <laughs>
1: yeah, the Witch of Wookie Hole Caves. Wookie, that's right. Yeah, Wookie Hole. That's right. I honestly, it's <laughs> a really I don't cool see story, though. Hole, actually, <laughs> I don't think you do. I don't think <laughs> you want to see that. Um, no, but like I found a ton of stories from the area, but I didn't yeah. find anything. Anyone else who had experienced anything like what Terry Birch described. So we're back to, you know, like we talked about with Flatwoods. Like, is the fact that no one no one else has ever experienced that this does that make it more credible or Or less credible? Discredit, right. Right. See, I feel like this situation's
0: a bit different. Like, I actually sway towards believing this more than I did the Flatwoods monster yeah and even though you know like I I love like uh Freddy and Eddie uh from Flatwoods and they're like <laughs> sure standing their ground for the past 70 years um and not caring if people don't believe them like that's great you know that's the yeah. only thing that it, like maybe slightly on the fence just because I appreciated their still to this day they're still like Belief and standing... You know, standing where they... Where they had... Yeah. But... I still don't buy into that one. But in this case... You know, we have just his account. Nobody else's. Um... But for it being so... Like, described in such detail... Um... And I mean, that could just be you... You on... Like, playing the storyteller... Like... And, you know... Being able to, like, set the scene but I think like just the account and everything being unique yeah completely out of the norm of you know what we would what we even go over like what we've went over yet um and given the area given you know like well also a stonehenge everything else like I mean you know there's a lot of a lot of factors that go into it that just makes it more credible I
1: think sure And we've talked a lot of times about how age is has a big effect on how believable a story is right right and this anything happening in this area has like just inherently has more weight in my opinion because of the the insanely long history
0: oh yeah which is which is huge and i mean you know spans through the ages Yeah, But I think, yeah, that adds a lot more credibility to it. And I think it makes it a lot more believable. Now, the idea of it crawling under the door, like, what if it didn't? You know, there was the crack in the door. Like, what if it managed to, like, slip through and he just didn't see that? He, you know, like, in the panic state that he was in, he... You heard it more towards on the floor or something or like, I don't know, you know, like that's that's reaching at that point, just trying to like
1: discredit anything I possibly can. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, the only thing that like, and I get why, you know, why you would, why you'd think that because it is the one thing that like, that takes away so many options, right? Right, Exactly. but like, he specifically said in his account, which by the way was much—I mean, his account was was not nearly as theatrical as the story I wrote. I mean, I assume, right? Yeah, which is kind like of important. I said, that's to like
0: setting the scene to really sell it, right. too.
1: Right. Yeah, and it it's kind of important to note, though, because it's—it would also be easy to write him off as like. You know, he's, like, the older caretaker for this building. Maybe he's just a guy who likes to tell stories. Maybe he's just you know some what I mean? kooky old bastard that, you know, like... Right, just likes to freak people out when yeah, they come to spend exactly. the night there. Yeah, Right. Or he just, you know, he's, like, an older sort of lonely character who likes to, like... He likes to hold court, right? He likes to, like, get a group of people around get him. Get people and,
0: going and... Right.
1: Yeah. But his account was not this guy is not a storyteller okay like just so everyone knows like it was dry he gave like the facts yeah i mean his facts i don't there's no way to know for sure right like um it's the door that's what we were talking about the door (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) the um I like I get why you'd want to want like
0: or why you'd consider that. It's just the most far-fetched thing about the entire situation.
1: Yeah, definitely. But like in the account, he specifically said that after the attack, the door was still locked. He had to like the door was okay. when the when the the thing crashed into it before it slid under to get out, it had it had cracked the door and it was still connected to the lock. Okay,
0: but I mean, there's also <laughs> the possibility of slipping through and basically maybe maybe it was a very nice beast that shut the door on its <laughs> way in, you know its way in like you know right. just being
1: being respectful like. <laughs> I mean that might be it. We might just this might be the politest thing that ever tried to eat a person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, he he has manners. Don't you dismiss that. Sure, sure. But no, I I know. And that that also It's just that that's the only thing like I I just keep going back and forth on. Is just being able to slip under the door, but at the same time that also makes it far more interesting and makes me want to believe it all the more. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because if you,
1: (laughs) if you remove the sliding under the door, you're talking about an animal attack, an animal attack. That's all it is. Right. It's like a rabid coyote made its way into the, into the house. Yeah. That's like,
0: or a mountain lion or like something, something big. You know, that's going to do some damage. It's going to do sure. it quick. And you're going to yeah. be able to scare it away, especially kicking it in the face. Yeah. Like, you know, and that that would explain all of that. But the single fact of being able to slide under no, underneath that door, half inch, maybe it's an inch, maybe it's, a, it's an inch gap under the door, whatever it is.
1: If it's two inches, it's astonishing. Right. So yeah. a half an inch is, it's crazy. That's, it's gotta be, it has to be something not of this world. Mm-hmm. If it can do that, it's not of this world. And
0: I also so, absolutely love the idea of it being like Lovecraftian and stuff like that. Oh yes. It's yes. super cool. Um, you know, but you know, like are we are we looking at like a cthulhu or something like that at that point <laughs> or like you know it's it's obviously I mean, not going to be you know something as drastic as that but still
1: i mean like we i mean i'm thinking like this this like sort semi gelatinous like tentacled teethed up goop monster right like I'm talking like a, like, not Cthulhu, but like a Lovecraftian horror. Yeah. Like, it's, I'm just trying to think of something that would be powerful enough to attack the way it attacked, but also capable of sliding under the door. Yeah. And obviously I'm grasping at straws.
0: And I I think, I mean, there's no way not to, because there's no way to explain it. And it's nothing that we could ever, you know, we could ever imagine or ever, like, you know, would even think of. But, like, sure. I also think of, like, you know, maybe maybe that's how ghosts uh, move in, in and out of rooms and things like that. Maybe they can turn into, like, a mist or something that just... Under the door. Okay. Um, you know, so... Maybe it's ghostly.
1: I or something I mean it could I mean maybe we're talking like um maybe we're talking like the attack w- could be something equivalent to like a poltergeist activity I was getting ready to say yeah
0: right yeah so I mean you know there's another angle man and there's so so many different possibilities because I mean it's just it's such
1: a wild story. It's
0: yeah. It it's super crazy. I think it's probably one of the crazier ones that we've actually had. Yeah. Um, and but and just the different aspects, terrifying fucking kids. Yeah. This monster beast thing that nightmares are made of, crawling yep. under a door, the the whole incident leading up to it. I, yeah. I love it.
1: Did it scare your socks off?
0: My socks are still on, unfortunately. Ugh,
1: almost had it.
0: But they're barely hanging on.
1: <laughs> That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's good.
0: Yeah. They're barely attached to my feet.
1: Now, I expected I expected the the attack to be more impactful, but I think it's the kids that got it you. Is.
0: Oh, it's the it's the kids. <laughs> I told you, dude. Like any any horror movie with children in it, like I find it, it, just the idea of it is terrifying. Also, looking at like, I mean, you know, you you think of looking at like, um, I I want to I want to say like, yeah, you, know, you see you see a ghost and and a lot of uh, let's say a lot of horror movies that are like this ghost basically looks like what you would imagine a zombie would look like and you know like sure. uh, hazed over or glazed over eyes and just basically rotting flesh and things like that imagine that as a child ugh that's fucking terrifying yeah and then, like I don't give a shit like I will I, you can you know there can be a hundred grown ass adults that look like that or big big you know big giant like things but that small kid that comes at me I'm gonna run towards those big ones yeah, yeah. Away from the child. Yes.
1: I. I so, mean, I think. I'm. I mean, kids are definitely creepy. All right, kids in horror movies so are creepy. definitely creepy. It's, like, it's almost to the point where it's like sort of hacky when you see it in movies in horror movies now. Yeah. Right. Like, of course, because you're like, oh yeah, the
0: creepy kid. Yeah. I, like, I mean, now all all like new horror movies are
1: based around a child, creepy kids a creepy kids right, right. doing yeah. some crazy like, shit like dab that square on the bingo right like it's just something you see over and over again
0: yeah it's overdone
1: but it, but it does
0: work with reason exactly sure yeah. you know like it yields results that's for sure but it's just like creepy kids that's that doesn't even bother me as much as the idea of a reanimated dead child Oh, God. A child zombie? Child zombie? Child ghost? Child anything? Well, like... But, like, I mean, a normal normal kid that's, like, you know... Like, alive and well, that's creepy as fuck. That doesn't... That's, that's not as bad.
1: Yeah? Yeah. I'd say, yeah, that's significantly less bad. <laughs> yeah. So, you know... I don't know.
0: It just... It always... It's always been a thing that's just... It's always just creeped me out And kids do it so well You know yeah,
1: They really do Trust me as a father I can tell you It's in a child's nature to be creepy as shit Oh I'm sure It is (laughs) So creepy
0: Just waking up and they're literally Standing next to your
1: bed just staring at you Dude that's happened to me So many times (laughs) I can't describe to you how scary it is to wake up at 3am and your child's just standing over you seemingly just watching you sleep
0: it's like that it's scene so from weird. uh what is it paranormal activity where oh, she's yeah. just standing over him just watching him for hours where the on clock end.
1: speeds up yep. yeah 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 no and when you wake up to that you're like have you how many hours have you been standing there <laughs> like no obviously it's just Wait, been a couple what moments, are they waiting for like, at that point <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. That's it's weird. weird. That might be yeah.
0: that might be getting up there in that creep factor, though. Actually,
1: yeah, it's weird. The weird thing is when you wake up, you don't recognize them at first. <laughs> it's that split moment where you don't recognize exactly what's happening yet. You know, yeah. when you're still like coming out of sleep, you just know something is watching you sleep. Yeah, <laughs> like for an that's, instant. That's awful.
0: I think yeah, the weirdest weird. thing would be. If I experienced that, yeah. I just wake up to see a small child standing
1: over. Fuck, dude. No. I'll just send my kids over to do it for you. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At least give me warning first.
1: No way. I'm just going to sneak them in. That would be awful.
0: Like, I I would (laughs) probably have a heart attack. Like, no joke. Yeah. I'll. I think
1: I'll add that to the list of possible like Halloween pranks. All right, all
0: right. <laughs> so basically, uh, I guess where we're at with this. Um, I, what are your thoughts? You are you a believer? Uh, do you buy the story? Is it just entertainment? What do you think?
1: Honestly, after reading Terry Birch's his like firsthand account, I find him to be a very credible guy. He's like a military guy. He's very like no nonsense. He doesn't seem like one of those like grandfatherly old storytellers. The guy that's like, basically
0: gonna be no bullshit.
1: Yes. That's that's the read I got on him based on his his first hand account. Um I I believe it. I okay. I do. I yeah, I believe it. Especially this area is so dense with paranormal activity, with like crazy like cryptid stuff a lot of ghost stuff like Stonehenge is of stone throw away like yeah i'm i'm all in I, I i think i think he definitely experienced this i think i'm there too because wow the fact that i just
0: i want it to be legit yeah <laughs> it's it's awesome in comparison to some of the stories we talk about you know, it's a, it's actually a more impactful one to me. That yeah. I just I find has a lot of credibility, even as far fetched and out there as it is. I I think it's 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 something I buy more than, again, Flatwoods. <laughs> right.
1: I mean, awesome. We agree. Yeah, I that's think a, that's another one. Yeah. I think, I think the um Go ahead. the the ghost children I think it was ghost children I would I think I the would children say you're laughing right. yeah for sure I think that's I mean thousands of children die in a small area there's got to be some weird shit going on <clears throat> there has to be some residual energy in a place oh, yeah. that's seen that much tragedy.
0: I mean, right. I mean, and that's and that's one of the biggest things is it it can cause things like that to really linger. You know, there's always going to be some form of of energy left behind, in especially in a tragic event. You know, and that seems to right. always be the case. And so, think of that amplified by the thousands. Yeah, and you have all of this just. I guess just energy and everything that's been in there for years and years and that has probably gotten stronger and stronger through the through the years and I'm sure you know as time has progressed, people have probably disappeared in there like you know I mean there's there's probably a lot of other things that have happened I think that uh yeah i would I would definitely think it's probably yeah just spirit the ghosts
1: you know spirits of yeah. these children. Yeah. Man, we barely... I think we only mentioned aliens one time on this episode. We did, but
0: I, did, I tried not to go that route because to me, this is, this doesn't scream alien at all.
1: Yeah. I think we deserve a pat on the back for that. This is our first episode that we talked about aliens this little.
0: And actually, I think you were the one that brought it up. I Just was. Just in passing. Yep. Yeah. I'm growing up. Excellent. <laughs>
1: You sure are, bud. (laughs) I'm starting to get my my story legs. And that brings us to the conclusion of Episode 9, Charterhouse. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week. And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know
0: each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook. At campfire.totsau on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it.
1: It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thank you, as always, to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram um, for his song Dying Star. That's from the EP Interstellar. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And trust in the unknown.